0: Hello everyone and welcome into Debate Night yet again. I'm Hunter joined as always by Brody virtually, Silas in the studio. We've got a pretty uh pretty packed show. Um the off season, you know, there's always some of these weeks where a bunch of news drops and it always drops after grip locked has been recorded. There's
1: three things uh, in life that I can count off. Count on. Uh-huh. Death, taxes, and the big news dropping after grip locked. That's it.
0: You know, what's so funny is I remember having the conversation when we were trying to move grip lock back we were doing grip locked on thursdays we're like man like all the news drops like thursday afternoon or friday like it's so annoying that like we can't like it always happens right after we film we can't get any of the news and we're like well you know what like it makes more sense like of course stuff's going to be released thursday or friday because like tournaments are happening on mm-hmm. friday and stuff like doing the show then of course we're not going to get news let's move it to monday so that we have like a tournament to talk about there's always going to be the news of the previous week and then all the news moved to monday yeah, like just immediately.
1: I don't know. It was wild. I don't know what that is. It, it's way too consistent. So there obviously is some sort of trend there, and I don't know why.
0: Like, why is Monday a news day for disco? I don't know. why. you think it'd be like the slowest day,
1: but it, it is one of those of where it's like, do you guys need to do that mini show on Wednesday? Do you need to have a mini show? Because obviously that was that was really that was really good. How during the season. Monday would be talk about the last tournament, and then Wednesday would be talk about upcoming tournaments and then obviously whatever news breaks in between do you or do you need to have a Thursday like a little thirty minute Thursday like wrap up of like or or do you guys have to well, just, most, wait, most weeks, just have to wait most weeks it's
0: not worth yeah, it, but nothing, we are I mean there's nothing
1: we Let's got be a little honest. something
0: in the works for the preview show for this upcoming year i won't I won't spoil too much, but we got a little something in the work. So that's that's exciting, at least. We'll at least have that coming. But yeah, most weeks, I mean, if we had a Thursday show, it would just be 30 minutes of me passing Trevor a disc while he's blindfolded.
1: Yeah, which, which uh, from some of the comments, not great for audio. Not great for we audio. We didn't
0: bring it back. Not we didn't bring it back. A... It, was, it was fun. It's fun to do.
1: Yeah. But we'll keep it on social. Um, what is What's the situation with the potential new show? I did reach out to a bunch of people, and it seemed like a bunch of the... The big hitters, if you yeah. will, like the ones that are like the no-brainers of like, yes, that person would be great to have. They all seemed somewhat interested. What's what's the status yeah, so of that? The, uh,
0: the new version of debate night. Um, Trevor's got a bunch of applicants in his email. He's been reviewing those, making like a secondary list. Uh, I think the goal, at least in my head, is to, to kind of launch it around January to make that transition. Then, right. heck yeah. Um, and yeah, so over the next few weeks, Trevor. Will we'll probably run a few test shows or get a few different groups of people, make sure we know how it's going to flow and everything and make sure everyone like understands the premise of the show Mm -hmm. before we throw it in live. Um, Well, obviously not a live show, but do the recording. So uh, yeah, I would imagine hopefully January that that switch will happen. But yeah, it seems like it's, it seems like it's going to work. It seems like we got enough personalities, um, both known and unknown, which was what Trevor really wanted was like some people that, you know just right now aren't on disc golf media at all that are have good knowledge and good personalities to come through to be able to you know have a platform to pop onto so it seems like we it seems like it's working out so we're kind of moving forward until there's a reason not to
1: I like it All right very well I can't wait I'm excited for that
0: Yeah no it's definitely an exciting time for the first piece of news that dropped yesterday was Anthony Barella leaving Innova mm-hmm. after, I, th- I think he said nine years of sponsorship, yeah, which this is, for some people it's like whatever, but nine years of sponsorship for him is like he was probably like 13, 14. Yeah, this
1: is what he said. He said these past two weekends, I took down the Arizona State Championships and the Big Arm Challenge. Um, he talks about his rating, about how he shot 1058, 1057, um, winning by 14, winning by 10. So he's playing really well right now. Uh, and then followed that up with, These wins were bittersweet because they were my my last two tournaments as a sponsored Innova player. These past nine years have been a dream come true for me, and I want to thank Innova for believing in my skills and always supporting myself and my family out on the road. Although it's upsetting to leave Innova, I'm excited for what the future holds, and I know I made the best decision for myself. So, a few things. Yeah, what you said exactly... Nine years. That's basically since he that, that was before he was even a known player, right? Like he got kind of yeah. known when he got mixed in with Paul as a junior, right? Like that was kind of mm-hmm. he was kind of like Paul. He was always known as like the mini, mini Paul. Paul. Um, so he's always thrown in of a everyone has known him as an Innova player. So this is obviously a way bigger move than someone that has bounced around throughout their career. Um, from the posts that I'm getting, I want to thank Innova for believing in my skills and always supporting myself and I'm f- and my family out on the road. Although it's upsetting to leave Innova. so what? What that sounds like, trying to read into this more, is it sounds like he wanted to stay with Innova. Clearly, because he's probably just used to the discs and comfortable with those, because those are really the only disc he's been playing with in tournaments. But he—it sounds like he was probably offered something bigger, and Innova was not willing to. Ca- that would be yeah. my guess.
0: From that's that's the vibe I from was the getting. Sound because of he it. also said, like, he made the last line was like he made the decision that's best for his family or or his future, something like that, right?
1: Uh and I know it made the best. For myself, he's, he's, let's that's, that's remember, he's still like 20 years old. So
0: if he is still, he doesn't if have, if he yeah. said like, this, he this is the best but... for
1: my family, we'd be like, all right, dude, chill. You, you, you don't have really, you, you have a girlfriend. Yeah.
0: So, uh, but yeah, so to me, I agree. To me, that sounds like, a if, if Innova would have matched whatever deal he got elsewhere, he probably would have stayed. Um, but obviously there's no way to really know. I've seen a lot of speculation where he's going. Um, one of the speculations I've seen is Lone Star because they have teased that they're signed they're announcing someone wow. big in January. Uh I don't think wow. that's it. I don't I don't really see him going there. Um I've I've heard speculation of Discraft. Um the only hesitancy I have towards that is I remember years ago when Paul left Innova to go to Discraft and like Ham is did the same around that time. Uh obviously Ab is kind of in that friend group, Um, and I remember him not wanting to leave because he was so much in Paul's shadow. That's how a lot of people viewed him at the time. He's broken out of that now, but back then, like everyone viewed him as mini Paul Macbeth because he was always with Paul. His form looked very similar to Paul, and he didn't want to. I don't think that's a. I don't think that's a. That's not. That's not a thing. No, it's not. So I could definitely see Discraft being a possibility now, whereas it might have not been before. He also. Arizona ties Yuli. Arizona ties Yuli. Team Discraft captain. He does have ties with is Does have ties with Paul. Uh, he's good friends with all of them. I could definitely see Discraft. I could also see the final one I've heard is Info yeah, because of his, you know Drew Gibson ties with that. Um, so I don't know. I think that one of those three makes sense. I think Lone Star is the least likely. I think Discraft's the most likely. But I have no idea. I, it'll be definitely interesting to see where he ends up.
1: Yeah, and I don't. I don't really get too much knowledge on these things as far I me mean, i had a long conversation um yesterday but i don't i don't i don't try to get too much of like insider knowledge because then it's like i like to be able to come on this podcast and just say my opinions and
0: thoughts and it's hard for me and not have it like influenced by stuff you know yeah
1: it's hard for me to be like if i knew ab was going to mvp it'd be hard for me to be like well, let's speculate like could he go to dynamic? Could he go to, uh, yeah, like that's tough. So I try not to get too much information or I, I at least try never to get information that I can't like actually talk on. Um, but I could see uh, all three of those spots. You said, like, I didn't even think about Lone Star, but you are right. Like they have been constantly hinting at wait for bigger news, wait for bigger news. Uh, I, I can't imagine them paying that much money for Nico. I would assume Nico right now is at a crazy discounted rate at like actually how much he would have been had he not been suspended and all those things. I feel like he is walking on eggshells a little bit. So people he probably didn't have too many people interested in signing him. So they probably got him at a really good discount. So they could have the money to throw around. Um and A B is an interesting one because he's very to me he's very much close to the level of like a gannon burr in the sense of young super talented high ceiling but just hasn't has hasn't had as much early success as gannon but if yeah. you if you sign him for a 3 year deal somewhere you know to think that he could win a major he could win some big tournaments and stuff like that's not a crazy thing to think about So I don't know what value, like what, what someone would be willing to do. So like a lone star, would they be willing to take a big shot on someone like that? Maybe. Um, But if we, uh, someone did ask what you, what you think his best landing spot is for a B. So like thinking about on the AB side, Mm. what would be his like ideal spot? I feel like, he would be better suited on a team that didn't have as many established players already. So yeah. someone like a lone star where he would become, it'd be basically him, Nico and Chandler Kramer, right? Like that would, that would be the team. Essentially the big names on that team. Um, I could see like an MVP. It'd be like him, uh, James Conrad, Sarah Hokum three people there
0: um yeah i mean i think in, in, i think plastic might
1: make the might be the best move for him because then he could still throw all his yeah. innova us stuff and then it'd basically be mm-hmm, him it'd basically too. be him and drew um yeah as as the two top dogs there
0: yeah i mean i think for his game, plastic-wise, if we're going to another manufacturer, if we're, if we're taking the mixed bag out of the equation, because I yeah. agree, be, going to a mixed bag and being able to keep your current bag makes would be the best scenario game-wise. But sidestep to like another manufacturer, I think the Discraft transition would be the easiest for him to mm-hmm. make because he has so many friends that have already made that transition. So he'd be able to easily be like, Hey, Paul, I had, or a, or Hamis, I had you know this run of Destroyer, this house flying for me. What did you fill that with? Mm -hmm. And they could immediately tell them like Zeus, Force, whatever, whatever it ends up being. Um, So I think that transition would be the easiest. But as far as like a roster goes, I agree at Discraft, there's a lot higher chance of him being overshadowed because you'd have to jockey for position a lot more versus, I mean, honestly, just straight lineup wise prodigy wouldn't be a bad fit because he would just slide right into that young core Ooh. where like i feel like a lot of the young core is getting hyped together obviously the front runners gannon um but he would get thrown right in with he isaac would. Alden. gannon i don't think he fits the vibe saying. with that that's he would yeah, exactly it's like it would, it would get the hype he would
1: i mean he would he would almost kind of be like the uh the ugly duck, duckling amongst the swans right like like he his age for sure kind of fits in with that young vibe but like him as like his personality and stuff like i don't see i wouldn't foresee him all of a sudden just being in alden's vlogs and like being a part of that crew um yeah so like that could be kind of weird of where it's like that and and that's something that project has to probably think about a little bit is like they do have that close-knit crew and, I mean, but they also have Kevin Jones. Like, I don't, let's not forget about Kevin yeah, Jones. Like Kevin, Kevin Jones, Jones is still on that team as well. So they also have some people outside, but I think that team right now, when everyone thinks of prodigy right now, they think of that young crew, the Alden, the, uh, the Gannon yeah. and uh, the Babcock, you know, like they think of those guys. So, and I, and Isaac Robinson, what the heck, don't forget about the Robinson brothers. So, yeah, um, never forget about no. them. So, it'll be interesting.
0: Dynamic's not a bad fit. He would be in Ricky's shadow a little bit, but Dynamic doesn't have a deep enough team that he's really getting overshadowed by a lot of people. I feel like he like, would get the he, worst
1: deal, too, with Dynamic.
0: He probably would. I I, Dynamic I think Dynamic threw have... a
1: lot of their Easter eggs in, in their baskets already. I don't know how many Easter eggs they got yeah. left sitting that round.
0: Yeah, but, I mean... It, it, we don't know what his Innova deal was and what That's his Innova, Innova was refusing to That's match, you know, because there is a chance where like, if you look at AB's resume, he's got a lot of potential, but he doesn't have a lot of realized potential to where like, if Innova's looking at the past and being like, well, what have you done? He doesn't have a ton to like bring to the table of like, I've won this, 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 but he, he has an enormous upside. Of like like you were saying, it wouldn't be weird for him to have a Burr year next year, mm-hmm. and he's the U.S. champ. He won wins a few pro tours. You know, like it wouldn't be weird for him to like step into that type of role. So if Enova is not looking at the future and the different company is, then like I could see Enova just not being willing to match a contract that's realistically not that high for a AB caliber player. Um, it'll definitely be definitely be interesting. MVP would probably have the money probably have the team. I just don't know if I can see him throwing those discs. But I couldn't see James Conrad throwing those discs this year and now he's announced with like it.
1: So. James Conrad MVP. Um, it I do like this I do like this format that a lot of players have been doing of where they basically just let you know, I'm not going to be like I'm leaving my sponsor, like I'm not going to be with my sponsor or you know whether they're they're getting out of a contract or uh just not re-signing. They just come out there as like I'm not going to be throwing Innova. I'm not going to be throwing Dynamic. I'm not going to be throwing Discraft, whatever it may be. And then we just are left with speculation. And then there is no real like timeline of like, okay, in a couple days we'll know where they're going to go. Like it's it's different yeah. for everyone, so it just leaves it kind of a, a mystery until you wake up one day and you see it on Instagram. Um, we didn't talk much about it, but like Paige Shoes, kind of in that same boat. And she just yeah. recently, I guess, went on um, Charlie's uh, podcast, The uh, Upshot, and w- was talking about some stuff on there. Her deal's w- a little bit more interesting and on the side of like what's really going on because obviously her, I think, father is the CEO of Dynamic
0: Dis. Is that correct? He's high up there. What was the actual CEO, yeah, position?
1: He, oh, he's not CEO. He's uh the CEO is um yeah, CEO's uh Rusko. Yeah. So he's he's one of the top guys. And I think like a lot of her family members, I believe I, I believe her mom works at the store and does probably other stuff because I think I met her when we were there at Dynamic disc open. Um, I believe she was in the store working, I believe, and doing other stuff, packaging, shipping, all that stuff. So her family is like heavily tied in there. And it seemed like from the, the little excerpt that I read from the interview, it seemed like, did you, did you happen to listen to the interview or no?
0: I didn't, I didn't even see. she was. Yeah. On so
1: it, <laughs> from what I read from the excerpt, it seemed like she was almost kind of not really, it wasn't as like a, a burial or really like throwing someone under the bus, but it was kind of like she kind of just like walked by and gave them like a little hip check into oncoming traffic. Mm. Right. Like it wasn't super out there. Of where she was really just trashing them. But it was an interesting thing since her family still works there of like saying like, yeah, they just weren't able to give me what I need. Their discs are overseas. So like I wasn't able to get the discs I needed. Um basically I did see that. S- similar comment. to like I I just wasn't able to get the support I needed from them. Which Yeah. We'll see where she goes too, because that she's another wild card because i feel like her stock was rising 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 and then she just kind of left tour right Well, she got married she got married yeah, she got married had, and a, had kid, a kid and then just
0: so she just disappeared off tour disappeared
1: for, for a while and it wasn't and i think everyone's different when it comes to like having kids and how soon they want to come back and she yeah. obviously took time to um do the the parenting and the mothering and all that stuff. But now it sounds like from all the posts that I've seen from her, it sounds like she's got the, the competitive itch again and is coming mm-hmm. back full force. Uh, and, you know, on certain courses, obviously her biggest weakness is distance. Right. And on certain courses though, we see other girls as well. Like Holly Finley, someone that comes to mind, where her distance isn't the greatest, Missy Gannon, her distance isn't necessarily up there but like the these women like when when they're on the right course, they can be anyone. And I think Paige yeah. Shu fits into that as well of we might have another contender at specific courses that don't require Absolutely. big distance. So it'll be interesting to see where she lands. Any any thoughts or or opinions on where she might end up going?
0: No, I was actually, I was just looking because what you said there, like, I'm wondering, Paige Shue, I think, would have been of the core dynamic discs, FPO players, right? You have Kona Panis, she's locked in. You have Valerie Mandahano. I just looked it up, her contract's up next year. You have Holland Handley, her contract's up this year. Paige Shue, I feel like of that list, they just re-signed Macy Vela-Diaz of yes. this list Paige Sheer, i feel like was probably one of the easiest to i didn't keep. want to t- i didn't want to talk um, about the
1: macy resign, but continue we'll, we'll, we'll get that afterwards
0: yeah so i i feel like of that core Paige she was one of the easiest to keep so the fact they lose her it br- does bring in my mind at least a question of holland hanley and valerie mandahano of like can they keep them when holland hanley will find out this year uh valerie mandahano will find out next year um And to some extent, it seems similar to the the Kona deal we saw last year, right? Where Kona's dad's the director of marketing for Innova. A lot of family ties to Innova. Um, They moved from Colorado out to California years ago for them to work with Innova. And then a similar thing where she was just like, Innova just isn't going to support me at the level Dynamic Disc is willing to. And so she walks away from what her family's so tied to. Uh, I'm getting like similar vibes to a certain extent, right? Where like very tied to Dynamic, but... For on a player aspect you know and props the dynamic you know you, you do have to just evaluate a player know what they're worth to you regardless of family ties or anything like that because i think previously sometimes in disc golf like things would get very buddy buddy and like if you have family ties then you're willing to overspend or whatever on a player and if dynamic feels like whatever Paige was asking for that it's just not worth it then yeah you know if she can go find it somewhere else that'd be great um i'm I'm not hundred percent positive i've I've heard the only name I've heard thrown in the hat uh it was actually from our discord server was some dudes claiming that he's positive she's going to Discraft completely no no way to verify him as a source or anything like that, but that's the only company I've heard um I've also heard some people speculating that she's stepping off the team because she's just done with disc golf that's not the vibe i got at all no but what that's what some people no, were expecting that's, that's, that's not the vibe i got take. from the that's announcement. A terrible but take yeah those are the only two takes i've seen personally is discraft and then this one person was actually i saw two or three people they're like oh well she's still going to be involved with dynamic she's just off their no, roster i think and i was like i didn't that's not no, the vibe i got i
1: i, I got very like went to usdgc played and was like holy cow i can like i can still compete she probably was like yeah. very underprepared i would say like in the sense of what she used to do as far as training and practice at usdgc and went out there yeah. and was like oh i'm still like kind of in the mix so i'm sure she was thinking like if i just go full force and like really give it all my effort again like i can still win so i think having that confidence and that kind of feeling of like i'm right there yeah, I, I I do not get the vibe that she's just like stepping away, and it's gonna. Pl- I, I feel like she's gonna full tour, um, and I I yeah I would bet men, money on that because I also believe I saw something with Grady saying that he also is gonna full tour, so that mm. probably makes sense that they're probably gonna tour together, obviously. So um, we'll see what yeah. she ends up. You did mention Macy. I want to go back to her. Uh, that that was mm-hmm. a good re-signing on her part uh or that was a big i guess re-signing for dynamic is what i should say on for her i still think she has a lot of potential um i it it just seems like right now she is having to try to figure out like that next level to get to because there's just been a lot of tournaments where she kind of is in the mix early and then kind of fades late and watching her game she has she has a lot of talent and a lot of skills i think there might just be some of some of the growing pains of like trying to figure out how to do it when the pressure is at the highest and and and, you know i think they were probably you know she still is a pretty new player i believe last year was her first full year touring um and so i i do think she was probably able or dynamic was probably able to still kind of just have her in the same contract and resign her
0: well, they they upped her team. She's on the F- supreme team. I don't fully know what that means within them, but I believe it's one of their higher teams. So it'd be it's like on Discraft having like the elite team yeah, versus. Yeah, and, and the uh, actual Discraft calls are
1: small, lower teams. The, I think they go tour team and then elite team, but the only you know again we don't know these contracts, but the only thing that they could have maybe done is said like we're gonna give you a tour series disc, right? And so. For dynamic, yeah. like that's, again, for the player, that might be like, holy cow, it's a huge step. For dynamic, that's not really that much crazy money exchanging. It wasn't like they gave her a bonus or increase. And they might have. We don't know. We're just speculating. But my guess would be is they probably offered things that were easy for them to offer and and not uh, not crazy more money out of their pocket. And the reason I'm saying this is, going back to the paid shoe thing, you would think the easiest person to be able to resign or continue on the team would be a paid shoe with the family ties. I think we are starting to see a little bit of the player bubble that we talked about getting close to popping because if I'm paid shoe, I'm thinking I'm a world champion. I can compete. Um, I also not only am a world champion, but I'm also kind of like the the, the darling of disc golf, right? Like, she has a pretty big following. A lot of people uh, root for her. And I'm sure she was looking at the Kona deal. I'm sure she was looking at some other deals across the FPO division and was saying, like, I should be getting close to that. And this is where I think the bubble is going to hit, is if you constantly are having players looking at other players and saying, I should be getting that. I should be getting that. If they're getting that, I should be getting that. Like, eventually... The bubble is going to hit, and yeah. and I think Innova has taken the lead. The lead, and I think they're still proving that of where they have their couple people, they have their guys that they're willing to pay, and those guys are super happy being there. And if you're saying like, "Hey, I need to get you know, I need to get paid at least close to what they're getting paid," they have shown that they are completely. They're
0: willing to just say, all right, deuces.
1: Um, So we'll see. We'll see. It it is interesting, but you know, disc golf is still an extremely small sport and the money coming in is still extremely small compared to other sports. And I just don't know if these teams, you know, these manufacturers can just shell out five, 10, 15, like big contracts. I don't know that many of them that can do that. And has it been? Has it been proven that that's the most effective way of going about it? So,
0: yeah, I think that's that's still the big question to me. Is like, let's just look at the biggest deals in disc golf, right? The Paul Macbeth and the Ricky Isaki deal, million a year. At the end of the day, these manufacturers have to look and like, would those million dollars make me more elsewhere? Mm-hmm. Right? For Paul, I think Paul's million straight Worth in. It probably a yeah. very good investment for discraft especially the initial launch right ricky it's tough to see from the outside looking in because paul you can see directly how many players are throwing lunas onyxes, zeus's and yeah you could argue that some of that's the mold but the majority of it is that it's a paul mold because like the luna and the roach you know very very close discs when you hold them in your hand and you know as far as like the onyx goes you know you could accomplish very similar shots with a raptor uh, you can accomplish pretty much any disc you can accomplish similar shots so i don't think it's 100% the mold it's paul mm-hmm. tied to the mold so there's a very direct correlation there of like these discs are moving they can track that because mm-hmm. of paul ricky has a hasn't had that he has a saki bomb slammer but that's like the only mold and that mold, they still haven't only. They have done like a full production, normal stock run. They're just still kind of doing, they did their like first run, proto run. They did the Saki Bomb Slammer, Pro Tour Championship run, the Raptor Eye Slammer. They've done some like fun runs with it, but they haven't done like a full production. So like looking at that, if you're dynamic and then on top of that, you have the Kona deal on the flip side of that coin. We don't know the Page deal, but we know, we know Page is making Discraft mm-hmm. a lot of money. We don't know Kona is making Dynamic a lot of money. Um so I think the way Discraft's done it they're probably looking at their return being like yeah this these investments in Paige and Paul made a lot of sense. Dynamic to be honest with you a year into this I don't know if they're looking at the Ricky and Kona deal going yeah that was a great decision. Uh and so now other companies looking from the outside in they all talk to each other there's probably scenarios where players are look, are shopping themselves around thinking all right this is my year this is my time last year look at all these big contracts they're signing. And they're stepping in and going, "What the heck? What do you mean I'm not worth, you know, one third of Ricky's deal? Like, what do you mean I'm not worth three hundred thousand a year?" And companies are like, "What? What do you want us to do? Like, we just don't have it. Go elsewhere." And they go elsewhere, and it's like, "You're not finding it elsewhere either." Uh, I w- I would be surprised if that's not happening behind the scenes because, like, to say like a third of Ricky's deal a year. So we'll just say like, well, let's just say two hundred fifty thousand a year, the Dickerson mm-hmm. deal. One, four, four years, $1 million. I don't think there's that many players that are getting offered that right now. But I would bet that there's probably three times the amount of players thinking they're worth that than being offered Ooh. that. So I think it's going to be a very interesting time where like a lot of players' expectations of what they're worth because of the contracts that are public are a lot higher than what they're probably getting offered behind the scenes. I think that might have to do with some of the players like, stepping away, looking for shopping themselves elsewhere and we still haven't seen a company get fully bit by it yet, um, but we could. Uh, that's definitely a possibility. Where if your Lone Star has, you know, a full other business that's funding this um, in their like typical manufacturing gig, but if you are a company like Clash or something, and you sign a huge player and you lock them in, and you're like, this is it, you know, we're 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 taking a big risk. There's a real world where a year into that big risk, you're done. You're out of business because you just can't afford it.
1: And as things get more competitive, I think manufacturers can't do the same old, same old like they used to, right? Where it's like, well, we're just going to sign this player. They're going to throw our discs and have our name plastered all over them. And that's it. Like that, that's not good enough anymore. You have to find creative ways of, of creating content of marketing them of, of doing things that excite people to want to throw the disc that they're throwing. And it can't just be all on the, now some players, sure you can have, you know, you can do the Lone Star method of where, you know, we've joked about this before of where like you sign all these, you know, pretty much anyone that wants to have a sponsorship of Lone Star
0: 600 yeah. plus players, you, the you sign, team. <laughs> you sign
1: all these people and they all have to throw Lone Star and you don't really do anything for them other than just give them, I don't know what wh- would they end up getting like a couple discs and then a discount or something or.
0: Well, yeah. And the, it, it was a very similar. Trevor like, just had an I interview on, with him, uh, right? I produced... Yeah. Um, from what I understand, they basically got a discount, but you have to fill your bag. So you get like four discs, but you got to buy the other twenty-one discs if you want it in your bag. They they made a killing off sure. their Rangers. No, it's a, regardless of if their Ranger team. No, it's, a, it's them an or not.
1: extremely smart idea. Um, and again, we've talked about this. It's, it's very similar to like skateboarding in that culture of like players just want to be able to say that they're sponsored, even though they might be getting hosed as being sponsored um because they might not be getting as much support whatever and and again it's like if that's if that's what you want to do there's nothing wrong with that but that doesn't necessarily work on the high end right like if you're going to pay someone a hundred thousand dollars to be you know to throw your disc and stuff some players sure you can just sit back give them 100k and they can do their thing and that will that will make your money back and, and and then some. Other players with just how coverage is working, with just how disc golf media works and all that thing, all that stuff, other players like that doesn't work. If you don't have any sort of plan to to make that player a, a bigger name, to put them in spots to where they have fan interaction. Like if you don't have any of that, and you're just like, we're just banking on them making lead cards. We're banking on them winning tournaments. We're banking on them doing all these things, and they're not, and you might be in a world of hurt. And so, I think yeah. this is where you know certain team, you know, certain of these manufacturing stuff. Like I think we are going to see uh, um, some different styles and how they operate with their teams moving forward over the next couple of years because. You can't just sign someone for a four-year, $250,000 deal. Like, let's just say this. The, The difference between a Kona deal and a Kristen Tatar deal, same amount of money, right? I would say that Dynamic has probably been putting, not probably. Dynamic has definitely done more with Kona than Latitude has done with Kristen. From my like, mm-hmm. from what I've seen on social media and content and all that stuff, the yeah. only time I really ever see Kristen and Latitude connected is when she wins, which she did a lot. So, like that worked because you were able just to pick someone that won a lot, so you didn't really have to do much. So you kind of hit the jackpot, the lottery in that in that sense. I know Kona has gotten a lot of crap for her performance and stuff like that, but if Dynamic was able to find creative ways. To continue to get her uh, talked about in a in a good spotlight, to get her in front of people in a good spotlight, to like kind of have these different uh, different content pieces around her, they could make that deal just as worthwhile. Like that, they could they could bring the value yeah. up at least. Versus if you go the Krista Tatar route, where it's like, well, we're just going to sit back and wait for her to win, and then we'll make a post about that. Like that only works if the player is performing well if they win and and so we'll see we'll see how it works like Innova, they have they they have like again they've kind of hit the jackpot in the sense of like they have their big players being uh calvin who is in the mix a lot they have big germ and nate sexton who have jomez so they they know like those guys are going to do it themselves so they can they can sit back and kind of be like we're going to be fine um but we'll see.
0: Well, I think I think a big thing, because you said it earlier, you know, disc golf is still so small. So w- realistically, within the current pool of disc golf players, there's only so much money to be circled yes. circled around in the sport and made to where if I'm a manufacturer and I have five hundred thousand dollars a year that I can allocate to a team and I'm looking at it thinking, man, I could I could sign one, maybe two big players. Or I could spend $500,000 a year, the same money, on effort to grow disc golf and get new players that have never played before and they're introduced to the sport through my plastic. I I think that's more worth it. Because, like, to me, I'm very, like, Innova to this day is still the brand that feels the best in my hand. The only thing I can attribute that to is that's the brand I learned Mm -hmm. how to play disc golf with because I watch it with other people who are like just now getting into the sport and I introduce them and I recommend like a soul. Cause I think it's one of the best beginner mids, a heat, you know, a paradox. I recommend these other, other discs. And then I hand them an the end of a disc down the line. And they're like, this just doesn't mm-hmm. feel good. Like, I don't, I don't like how it feels. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then they're like, they, to them, the Z plastic, or if I get them on MVP train, neutron plastic, that's what just feels good and comfortable because like what you get introduced that's to huge. the sport with, a lot of times, that's what feels like home. So if you're you know, a, a company that's just... Start, if you're Clash and you can get into a huge PE program that you're in you know, a bunch of schools across the country, yeah, the majority of the, the people that are introduced to disc golf might play it for six months or a year and not, not touch it again. They might never touch it after that, after the first class. But you're going to have this core group that gets addicted to the sport and they're introduced to the sport through your disc, through your plastic, and then they're going to always I- come back. To, to that. And like, to me, that's a big marketing pool that a lot of stuff yeah, no, be that, that
1: is a good point about like, definitely try to get them starting young. And I'm sure there are programs that can be created from some of these companies that would definitely help that. The one thing I would say that is, you know, a big piece is like, what, is, what is the reason why so many companies have uh, sponsored, either athletes or sponsored influencers or ambassadors or any of that. Like, what is the reasoning for that? Well, if you have some random, C, you know, CFO or CEO or someone that is like behind-the-scenes kind of person, show up to a 2,000-person assembly hall and put on a presentation, you might have a lot of people fall asleep. But if you get an ambassador, if you get a Tony Romo to come and talk about the product that this company makes, like that is going to resonate with so many more people.
0: And I do have to, well, but is it how much of it is because everyone would know who Tony Romo is? Well, I,
1: I, my point being, like taking what you said with like the gym, like getting in, in gyms and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you have, if you're a kid, and you have your gym teacher be like, hey, I'm gonna teach you guys a new sport today, right? And they are terrible at it. Yeah. Because they're not, they're not very good at disc golf. They can't teach it, they can't throw, whatever, you're gonna be less likely uh continuing that on. Versus if you had a professional that was good come in with the coach or with the PE teacher and was like, the PE teacher was like, Hey guys, you guys are gonna learn a new sport today, it's called disc golf this is one of the best players in the world they're going to teach you and then that person showcases all the cool things you can do with a frisbee those kids are going to be more likely to, they've seen what is possible they're going to be more likely to try to attain that and do that and it's it's the same thing as growing up like we all had our sports idols growing up that we would watch on tv and then immediately after the basketball game or after the the golf tournament or after the tennis match you'd immediately go out To the court, to the field, to whatever, and like try to replicate what you just saw. You know, one of the things that I I I, I vividly remember as a kid is watching uh, Jason Williams, who played for the Sacramento Kings, uh, White Chocolate, if you will. I remember watching when he did that elbow pass.
0: Elbow pass, yeah. I remember like literally going to the
1: gym (laughs) immediately after that, like the next day, because I think it was obviously a night game or it might have been during the day on Sunday. But like everyone in the gym was doing that. Everyone was trying to figure out how to do it for like the next several days. And like that is the impact that pros, players, sponsored athletes, that's the big impact that they have on the generation. And I think that really is what disc golf needs to be trying to tap into. We don't need you know sure there is some um, some value in going after like the ultimate frisbee got players that are now a little bit too old to play ultimate frisbee to transition to disc golf i think that is a very natural transition same with golf like hey you love golfing but you want to do something that doesn't take 4 or 5 hours every time like disc golf great transition you can go play around in 45 minutes but there needs to be something about trying to go get the kids trying to go get those You know, someone like a Gannon Burr, you know, and Gannon Burr's told his story of where, you know, he was watching my Frisbee trick shots, bought a disc golf disc, not knowing it wasn't the same thing I was, I was throwing and then basically found disc golf through that fell in love and look who we have now. Like those are the stories and those are the people that we need to be trying to reach and and connect with. And if there's ways of getting the youth, I think it's going to be a lot easier using, and I agree with you. If I'm someone that has five hundred thousand dollars, the way I would allocate that money would be: let's sign someone for like two hundred thousand, and then let's use that four hundred thousand to really blast not only our two hundred thousand um, players market and get them out in front of more people, but also use them to get in front of completely new people. Like let's 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 do cool yeah. things with this person in front of new people. Or new eyeballs on social media as well. That I think is going to be that's going to be huge. That 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 to me would be my marketing plan if if I had half a mil.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, so that's a lot of player off season movement. Uh, the other big thing that obviously a lot of people I think are here to uh, listen to us talk about is the PDG's announcement yesterday. Um, to, not to cut you off yeah
1: let's actually save that just because i feel uh-huh. like that is going to be a big topic so let's save okay. that for the end so that way it's not like we just finish talking about that and then we're like all right well what do you think is a better mid-range that you know like i think let's i have a few quick things to 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 go over real well oh, from your a footage. few from that but a, Q, a, a few other things i just want to talk about real quick and then uh, let's let's finish with that because that obviously I, I want to make sure that we, we hit all hit all the because that's huge that's like probably the biggest news in PGAs like the last what five ten years maybe like I mean that's big stuff so yeah real quickly a couple things Discraft Slipknot collab what do you think what are your thoughts did you see
0: that I mean yeah I did Slipknot's a big band um, so it, it's it's cool from that aspect but. I don't know. It's not my. It's not my demographic. I'm not the one they're marketing towards, so it wasn't wasn't for me. But it's it's cool to see you know, collabs like that uh, happening in disc golf. I definitely saw a lot of mixed mm. responses in the comments where you had like the people who were stoked that it was happening or like, oh, this is sick. I don't know how well it sold. I'd imagine it sold pretty well. Slipknot's huge. Um, and then you had some people who were just like, yeah, this ain't it. Like, I think it's the younger generation was like what the heck like this doesn't make any sense and then you had some of like shops and tournament directors being like oh sick collab wish you would let me custom stamp some discs so i saw all kinds of people in the in the comments all fair all fair um but yeah i mean i think it's i think it was a cool collab i think the the discs looked cool but yeah my my, my
1: thoughts on it were they like slipknot shared it to their audience on social which i think is huge because now you're getting some people to be like, what the heck is disc golf? And maybe dig into it a little bit. Uh, I don't don't know. Again, I don't know how effective that is of just having someone share a product to buy. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I just don't know how effective that is. Now, the thing I do know that is very effective is if there was video content created around it, and that, yeah. that would be the one thing that I would say like, was a little bit of a miss, was not being able to – I don't know if it was asked, if they were like, hey, can we do something?" whatever? And who knows if stuff may be in the future. But I know that probably would have hit harder um, and probably would have had a, a better positive uh, reaction with some people is if there was like actually them creating content, throwing discs, Playing disc golf and sharing that yeah. to their audience instead of just their logo or whatever slapped on a disc and being like, hey, here's another, another disc to sell. Um, but these are the type of th- collabs and these are the type of things that I do think disc golf needs to be thinking about more because, like we said earlier, disc golf is very small and there's only, a, you know, you can't just keep punching at the same people over and over and over again. You know, we need to find ways of getting more people involved into disc golf, and doing collabs like this are definitely ways of getting to that point. I just think it was a little bit of a miss, just with not having any sort of content with them.
0: No, absolutely. even them yeah, holding think, the
1: disc like in a picture would have been, yeah. You know, cool. Because well, I
0: also, I also did see some comments where people were confused asking like oh this is so cool like do they play disc golf yeah like what? two two when of the like seven members of
1: two of the seven
0: or two of the seven see i didn't even know two of them i also I didn't even I even know there the were seven dude. people in
1: slipknot i'm <laughs> I just saw so the much. one
0: dude that was like uh sharing it all over the place and was commenting on everything i saw him and knew he had played disc mm-hmm. golf um but yeah i agree like if you would have had like have them come out and play with Paul or play with you or Chandler Fry, or whoever do just play. like David a, Chandler nine Fry round would be
1: incredible, incredible footage.
0: Yeah. It's just like <laughs> quick nine hole round, you know, promo the disc. It probably would have sold a heck of a lot better, but also it would have just like, it would have reached a different audience SEO wise. You know, yep. you're searching, watching Slipknot content, maybe old concerts or something. There's a chance that just pops up and you're like, what the heck's that? Yeah. And you end up watching it. But these um, these are things that need to happen, this, though.
1: These are things that need to happen, yeah, absolutely. and like
0: again, th- these type of collabs are, are what stretches the sport.
1: This is in the infancy. In fact, that word is so hard for me to say that I'm not. Infancy. Yes, thank you. Um, and, and you know, obviously, companies are still trying to figure out how to make this stuff work because, again, in the past, I feel like this has been what the past has been. You know, you look at Innova. they have a, their celebrity team and. They basically just like, I mean, I don't really know what they do with the celebrity team. You know, they don't really do much of it. That has kind of been like the past of like, oh yeah, this person's interested. Let's do it now. Obviously discraft did some good stuff with Ben Askren, right? They, that yeah. they create some content around that. We're still, I think trying to figure out how this works. And I think for some people, like, I guess this would be the question too, is like, if you reached out, Let's go big. Let's go like Taylor Swift. If you reached out to like Taylor Swift and she would be like, Yeah, I'm down to have you guys put my name on a disc and I'll and I'll promote it. If she's willing to just do that, I think we still take that. Cause I think that is still Absolutely. a win, versus like, well, we're only gonna want to do that if you do a video. You know, if you're yeah. actually like If we can just get them to do something, that's still a win versus nothing. And I I think obviously there are those negative people that are just always going to be like, what the heck is this? And I I get some of the tournament directors and retailers being like, we can't even get this, and yet you're doing this. But again, like you can't get too mad at what a company's decision is to allocate their resources, right? Like if they want to allocate their resources to, like you said, like growth and getting their name out there more than uh for like pr- smaller tournaments and whatnot can't get too upset
0: about that no absolutely not yeah and i think the i think what would you say was right too of like something's better than nothing so like i think that you definitely push it like if they're like oh yeah like because there are some cases where it's just like a licensing deal this wasn't that but you know like they've done stuff with disney before where Discraft's just paying Disney to be able to use the logos, yes. right? And I'm sure that there's athletes and stuff that you could license their logo to use. That I don't think is really worth it if no. the athlete or whoever's not going to push it, because if it's just like the Disney one's worth it for Discraft, it's worth it for the company like, made making a lot of money.
1: money. Yes. It's not worth it for yeah, but, getting a bigger name out there.
0: Correct. But like if LeBron James were to be like, yeah, you know, pay me a hundred grand and you can use my King James logo on all your discs, I'm not going to share it though that doesn't do anything growth of the sport wise versus you get someone to share it. I think as long as you're like, Hey, like what are you, what can we work together to market this and just like put it out there of like, we will take care of filming everything. If you wanted to get a quick round in or just, you know, a quick promo video, whatever. And if they're like, no, like I'll share it to my story, but that's it. That's still worth it. Yeah. Now there's some level of celebrity that it's not worth it, but a big time person like Slipknot definitely still worth it yeah because
1: i think sometimes again like when you're in the disc golf bubble and you see things being posted about and shared on facebook and reddit and all this stuff you're like holy cow this is huge huge story well it's a huge story for disc golf but if you're not in the disc golf bubble none of those things are ever hitting your timeline you're not seeing yeah. any of that stuff ever and, and i think that is the strategy moving forward is like, how do we get outside of just the disc golf timeline? We need to we need to be reaching people that never uh, and and I see this too, even on my side. Sometimes is I'll post like a TikTok. I just did a um, I just did a TikTok with the 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 crazy. I'm sure everyone has seen the because it got posted on like not my TikTok, but the clip that I was talking about got posted everywhere. It was like the 60 year old guy on the beach just doing freestyle killing it right and that ESPN yeah. shared sports everyone shared bleacher report everyone shared barcel everyone shared it and so i finally did like a little like a green screen where i'm like talking about it yada yada and that also kind of went semi viral on tiktok and like i was getting people that were like holy cow I've, i haven't seen you in forever uh completely forgot about you like Oh, I used to watch you all the time as a child. Uh, like I was getting stuff of where they probably still followed me at some aspect somewhere, but like my stuff just wasn't hitting their timeline anymore. And yeah, the algorithm wasn't pushing. And, me. and that's what we need to be thinking about is like, how do we re-reach some of these people that maybe were in disc golf at one point and then left. Cause again, there was tons of people that came in from COVID and left right? They, they're they not as active probably anymore. How do we reach those people? And how do we reach people outside? We got to come up with ways to getting outside the timeline. So um, last... Yeah, a
0: good oh, uh, yeah, go for it. Uh, eye-opening experience for me. This is a really quick story because I, I, it hit me of like, this is this is exactly how people view disc golf. It's like, I went out to the field, this Lynchburg College field um, and overthrow the YouTube channel was out there doing a video with like these uh people who like have, they had like four whippets and they were like throwing frisbees to whippets. The whippets weren't out there. Sadly, when I got there, I wanted to see them, mm. but I walked up and I'm like, Oh, how's, how's it going? And like shook, shook the hands of these people. And like, I was talking to them and they were telling me like what they do, that they have like four whippets, they're frisbee dogs, whatever. And we were talking, I have no idea who they are. It's cool what they do, then, like in the course of conversation, they're like, yeah, we're actually five-time world champions or something like that. Of like they're multiple time world champions of the frisbee dog world. And I'm like, Oh, that's so that's so cool. And then I like walked away and I got down. Trevor and I like shot a video and we came back up and they were they were still there, but they were actually filming, so we didn't talk to them again and we left, got in our car, and then when we were in the car, I was like, We should look them up. And then Trevor was like, Yeah, yeah, what what was their name? I was like, I don't remember. Like I I've no I like I think I think I don't I I think the guy's name is Gordon. I don't I don't know. And so we like tried find him, couldn't find him. I'm like, oh, I I don't know, man." And then I was like, "Man, this is this is probably exactly how people feel about like disc golf. Like I walk up and like in the in the frisbee dog world, they're probably huge." Yeah. Right? Like they probably have like a big following, like everyone probably knows who they are. There's probably people out there that if they knew I got to shake the hand of whoever these people are, we'd be like, "Oh my word!" you Maybe met
1: maybe not some- the person, but maybe the dog. I'm sure. I, I think that's yeah. probably in the frisbee dog world. I think probably. the dogs are probably more. But sought reg- after. like, if I
0: if I would have met the dogs be yes. a similar thing, where yes, like I yes. would have petted the dogs, I'm like, "Oh, that was cool. Those are some cute dogs." I think was fastest, as, fastest as all you know, yep. get out. But it wouldn't have meant anything to me because I'm not in that world. Correct. I think I was like, I was like, that is the first time I've experienced it. Where like. That's exactly how people have to look at disc golf sometimes of like they could walk down the street, meet Paul or Ricky or whoever and be like, oh, yeah, that's that's cool. And then just walk right on and be like, yeah, like, I mean, same thing if I met the best cricket player in the world, it wouldn't mean anything to me. And the best cricket player in the world is probably one of the more famous athletes in the world. But I've never seen cricket. So (laughs) that that guy doesn't mean anything to me personally.
1: And and it's it's a lot of it just has to do with culture, right? Like it has to do with like what uh, what other people, the popular culture has to like what their opinions are on things do affect things, right? Like yeah, if you, I'm sure if you met the Kardashians, you probably could care less, like in the sense of like you probably aren't like they they would not be in your top ten of people you want to meet. No, um, but I'll get a picture with them. But if you got... Yeah, you'd get a picture of them and post it because you knew, you would know that like meeting them to a lot of people is a big, big deal. Where yeah. on certain things like cricket, like you said, your audience that follows you on, that follows you on Instagram or Twitter, if you took a picture with the world's greatest cricket player, you know that your audience is not going to care either.
0: No, but
1: yeah. your audience would care or would think like, "Holy cow! Like that's pretty nuts." You got a picture with Kim Kardashian. Like that's wild because Kim Kardashian is this big, like celebrity. To yeah. like, even if you like her or interested or whatever, she still you know has a mass. Regardless. she still is a massive celebrity. Yeah. So yeah. no, it is. It is a. Uh, Like I said, like when you get out of the disc golf world or some of these smaller niche sports, when you get out of the world, you really start realizing like, holy cow, like the only people really talking about this is the people in it. And uh, that's, you know, that's why we're here to continue to try to get conversations out there to try to get stories out there to you guys that are listening. And hopefully you guys share it with a friend or whatever, and they get involved into disc golf and now they start listening and then more people are talking about it. Like we still are missing, you know, I think we do a good job at foundation. I think, you know, all world does a good job as well. We still are missing like, you know, that media company outside of disc golf. We don't have that yet. We don't have anyone that like talks about other sports and stuff. And then also talks about disc golf. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just, I think it's going to take a while to get to that level of where that makes sense. I mean, it's the same thing as like when you turn on Sports Center, you never you never see any like MLS action, even though like there's yeah. MLS games because they just know like the audience for MLS is so much smaller than NFL, so much smaller than college sports, and yeah, they'll um, just
0: they'll use it as filler content if there's nothing, if there's nothing so, else going on. But yeah, yeah. Um. All right.
1: Last thing I got. Did you see this Evelina uh, podcast interview that she did?
0: Yeah, we talked about it on Griplock yesterday. I almost brought it up because I want to get your opinion on it.
1: Yes, I I do want to talk about this a little bit because I saw this and I thought this was wild. So I think I pulled this. uh, I think someone posted this on Reddit or whatever, like the transcript of it because it was all in Finnish. But essentially, Evelina uh, went on this Finnish podcast. And during the podcast, this is what was, this is what kind of was said. So e- Evelina says FPO layout was announced for the Texas state championships. Uh, but there, and I'm also, uh, pre paraphrasing, paraphrasing, paraphrasing a little <laughs> bit, just because I think some of the translation doesn't really match up too well. Uh, but there are, but there are a couple of these. I don't feel like calling name out names, um, so I think what she was saying is that there was a couple people that were upset with the, when the Texas state layout initially got ne- announced for FPO. And she's like, I don't want to say anyone who, I don't want to say the names of the people that got upset. And then Timo, is that how you pronounce it? Do you know Timo? Mm-hmm. Timo? Timo. Yeah. Timo, who's, yeah. who's the host of the podcast said, you can say names because we are speaking Finnish. Um, I
0: guess so funny to me. <laughs> I guess
1: thinking that no one knew hey, how to translate. I
0: No, he was, was doing his job. He's okay, on the yeah. podcast.
1: So yeah, so he, he was just he's trying doing his job. So he knows you know? very very well that yes, just because you're speaking Finnish, people are gonna know. But I guess Evelina fell well, for also, the bait.
0: Their names are in English. Like if you go, I went and listened to the podcast because I was like trying to see like a oh, She actually literally said. says and like in the middle you hear her, she's still like in a Finnish accent, but you she just says missy gannon and holly finley like she just says it <laughs> and then it like keeps going to finish i'm like oh okay well that's that's the proof i needed like i needed to just hear her say it to make sure because i was like surely she didn't like have a finished name for for them like surely it was just, it's just their name, name. Yeah,
1: sure yeah. yeah so she goes on to say okay missy gannon and holly finley don't throw far they went to complain that some of the holes are too long they were heard in one of the one or two days before the competition some of the holes were changed to be easier and shorter I think it's shocking that there can be a few people out there who don't throw that far and are allowed to complain. Their opinions are listened to and the course is changed for the competition. Um okay, so a couple couple things to unpack here. This is what first off, this is like we just don't have I I think the reason for a lot of like lack of news, honestly, is that we don't have one. We don't have like when players go on podcasts, when people go on Smashbox, when people go on all world, when people do these things, the majority of people answer the same questions and answer them the same way. So they're just boring interviews just to be completely frank. And I don't know if they, yeah. I don't know if you're just a boring person. So if you just meet these people in real life, you're like that person's just boring, which is completely fine. Nothing wrong with a boring person. But it just doesn't really add, like, no one really wants to say, be like, oh, my God, did you just see blah, blah, blah on Smashbox last night? Or did you just see blah, blah, blah on Trevor Staub's show? Like, I can't believe they said that. That's one problem. And I think the other problem, too, is on the podcast side of things is, like, the questions that are being asked probably aren't really maybe putting people in spots to have to throw interesting uh, answers out. So, it's like a two way street, right? Like, and I don't know who's at fault. Sometimes it's this person, sometimes it's this person. And then the other thing is, we just don't have people on social media ever saying what they think. Like, everyone yeah. on social media is just very vanilla bland. Buy this disc, subscribe to my YouTube channel, watch this, listen to this. That was cool. Awesome. Happy for you. Great. And there's not really any sort of opinions on, uh, oh, my God, did you just hear what this person said? Or did you happen to hear disc golf is missing that? And, again, I don't know. I can I can say it until I'm blue in the face. I don't know what needs to change. I don't know what needs to happen. Uh, but, like, stuff like this, I'm going to tell you right now, this, Evelyn is not the only person that has a, a, a thought that is interesting. She can't be. There's no way she can be the only person on FPO or MPO that ever says something that is like, Oh wow. That's something to talk about. We need more people. And I I think the fans need more people to speak their mind on issues and actually like bring up when you see something written uh, or when you see something posted, heck I even did it on our post and then I got blasted for it. But like, that's, that's, you know, when you guys posted the foundation thing, I was like, this is awkward. And then you're like, didn't want to show your first throw. And then I just hit first available. I deserved it. That's what I get. But like, I
0: don't think that was actually your first throw. I got to ask Trevor about that. No, but But that's fine. It It was funny. It was definitely fun. (laughs) I I definitely
1: deserve. I mean, that was the perfect response to it, but like that's, we need to have people. If you see something out there that you don't agree with, it doesn't have to always be super negative. Like you don't always have to come out and like have negative opinions towards things. But if you see something that you don't... I mean, Drew Gibson, I think, is someone that pops out as someone that does that. Now, some of his takes are just absolutely atrocious. But again, that, that's that's fine.
0: I have sometimes... That's better, that's better than no takes. And sometimes I, I
1: come out with stuff that I'm like, just like, what was I thinking? <laughs> like, I come out with stuff all the time that is just like absolutely atrocious takes. But it's better than, like you said, just being vanilla brand. So let's talk about this. That, that was my quick little player rant for the maybe one or two pros. And maybe we clip this, Silas, maybe we clip that and let me blast that out. So that way, maybe some other people see it on social media because this is a calling for like, let's not make disc golf super boring. And again, like we're not trying to be the TMZ of disc golf. We're not trying to turn this into wrestling and and it needs to be a crazy sideshow, but let's get some personalities out there. I honestly after reading this about Evelina, like this makes me like Evelina more. Like now when I think of Evelina, I don't think of her missing six foot putts. I think of her (laughs) being willing to go out there and say like, listen, like why do we have people that can't throw far? Why do we have, why are they being able to impact the courses that we play? Like these are things that I don't know. I, I think, and you have to be okay with, you know, you have to be okay as a player. You have to be okay with speaking your mind and understanding that sometimes not everyone's going to agree with you, and that's yeah. okay. There are I'm sure there are dozens and dozens of people that have heard me say things that are like what the heck, Brody? That was stupid. And if they hear one thing and decide like I'm not a Brody fan because he said this one thing, then they weren't really a fan to begin with. Like they had like be, being following me, you have to realize that I'm going to say stupid things and I'm going to say smart things. And you have to call me out on my stupid things and I'll own up to it. We cannot be afraid of hurting someone's feelings or losing a fan because we say what's on our mind. Yeah. I want to say hats off to Evelina for doing this. And I, I think initially she probably wasn't thinking that it was going to get out there like it is now. But I, I think this is a good thing. What is your take on yeah. it? Before we go into actually what she actually said, what's your take on on kind of all of that of just pro saying what's on their mind?
0: I think a, I think a big part of it comes from like it's still such a a tight-knit community between media, players, all of that like it's all it, it's a lot more than other sports where like if I'm JR Smith and I come out and say something about uh, Luka Doncic. You don't I'm see not going to go see him yeah. next weekend. I'm going to see him like twice a season. Or if a reporter asks me an uncomfortable question, there. You know, I'm not going to randomly see this reporter at dinner and then at the next weekend and the next. I'm not going to have to see this guy every single day. Like right now, disc golf media and disc golf players are all very like combined to where like if you go back a few years, the only interview podcast was Smashbox, mm. and Smashbox is doing the live coverage to where Terry Miller was interviewing these players and then sometimes like two days later was holding a camera and walking with their card doing commentary and like he couldn't come after a player and like have an awkward interaction and then have to, you know, be in a like that scenario where he's like with their card having to interview him a few days later. We're getting away from that now. Um, I think of the flip side, the other side to this as well is as disc golf gets bigger more players can be comfortable risking a fan base, if that makes sense. Not that like, like, cause I think a lot of times right now, a lot of players income is based directly on sales. Yes, It's based directly on, you know, how many discs with their name they move. Yes. So you have to worry about not being popular. You have to worry about your takes being too hot or, you know, cause some takes are just not going to be popular and that's okay. You know, if that's what you think, that's what you think. It doesn't have to be a popular take. But if what you, if your income is directly based on your tour series sales and you come out and say something that makes your tour series sales dump, you out of nowhere, just don't have income coming in for a lot of players. And I think that's kind of (sighs) like, that's also going away as guaranteed money comes in. But I think that that's still like a mindset for a lot of players is like, I can't say that. Like people, some people aren't going to like it. I need everyone to like me. And it's like, the only way you get everyone to like you is if you're not you. Yeah. Because like people aren't going to like you.
1: Yeah, two things to say on that. The first one, like what you just said, would you have to you have to make the decision? Do I want to make fifty thousand dollars and be myself, or make one hundred fifty thousand dollars and be a fake phony and someone else? And then here's the other problem: yeah. if you become that fake phony and you want to go that route, you now have to be that fake phony. For I mean. For a while, and then all of a sudden, like exhausting. So and then all of a sudden, when you do decide, like, oh, I'm big enough now to where I can be myself and I can say what I want. Now everyone can be like, well, you were just faking it this whole, like, that's not who you are. You, yeah, you're gonna lose way more fans that way. You gotta make that decision. Um, and then the other thing too, just from a little bit of experience, uh, it's completely fine with just deciding that you don't like someone on tour and not wanting to talk to them. Yeah it's completely fine it doesn't change anything um and i don't think that should be something pros should be concerned about i'm sure they are but my thing my take too is like if a pro did come after me which uh, i there has been a lot of i would say behind the back kind of stabs and and stuff of of that nature If someone came out to me on Twitter and just disagreed with something and was just blatant about it and it was like a fair like rebuttal or fair critique to something I was doing, I wouldn't call that person dead to me. Like I would actually probably have more respect that they were willing to uh, have that discussion at least or like bring up a a secondary opinion that maybe I hadn't even thought of. Um, Whether they didn't want to do that online or in person, it doesn't really matter to me the 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 stuff that bothers me is when someone like brings up something that like has to do uh not with like what i'm saying or whatever but you know th- there was some of that stuff early on with like Jamie Thomas like some of the stuff he was saying early on where i was just like bro what like i'll come after that all day long but if i say something you know we're going about we're about to go into a very uh deep talk topic here and you know, we're going to maybe say some things that people disagree with. Those are, those are conversations that I'm completely fine with having. If you disagree with my opinions yeah. and stuff, that's, that's completely fine. So we'll leave it at that. Silas, maybe we can clip that whole, that, li- that little rant I had that, you know, 45 second minute rant I had, blast that out. Um, and maybe we'll get some more pros talk in their mind in 2023. in some of these interviews, because let's be honest, these, these, these player interviews, I mean, how how many people are paying attention to those things? It just seemed like you maybe would get one nugget out of an entire two hour interview stream of where like you might get one person to say something interesting. Other than that, it's like, yeah, game feels pretty good, you know, this course, a lot of OB, gonna have to throw I mean, come on. So well, I think
0: the, the key with that is like like there's one time where I remember Nico came after the the haters, the keyboard warriors yeah, is what he called Yeah, At them, Waco, yeah. And I think blew up. Uh it blew up. And I think the key is like It's the media's responsibility to watch the boring mumbo jumbo part of game feels good, you know, same thing every week. That happens in other sports where it's like the same answers over and over. So that when the one viral answer happens, that can get pushed. And then your average fan who's never going to watch the post game press conference sees that moment. And then that is what like blows up. And that also, I think, moments like that. Can have outside disc golf reach too. I'm not saying that everything has to be this like drama filled, no. hate filled thing, but like when there is a like like Nico's viral moment, had it been pushed a little bit more, it would have to have luck. But Nico's moment of the keyboard warriors, you know, well, I would say his moment push of, and, of
1: of of going up against a European guy who. that would to me that would have yeah. more of a sports like watcher. Would be like, oh my god, yeah. did you see what happened in disc golf? Versus that'll the, happen the to me where
0: time like stuff from press conferences or post game things or just a player's life from a sport I don't watch will pop up on my timeline, and so like like for instance, Patty the Batty, you know the only reason I know anything about him is how much content and stuff Barstool puts out mm-hmm. around him, but also the dude's just electric. So like I'm way more likely to watch a well. UFC fight if had he's fighting uh, same thing with conor mcgregor i will heavily
1: debate you i know we're not gonna go to ufc right now but i have heavily debate you on that because he's done some things the last couple of days that has in my opinion like has dropped his stock but here's the thing i'm still gonna tune in because now i want to see him get knocked out
0: i haven't seen it i haven't seen the last few well, days.
1: he he's been yeah okay
0: I was like, I've I've just seen, I've just seen seen the, good like, that's what I'm saying. You've seen the good stuff. I'm outside of the sport. So I only see what makes it to my timeline. And that's the viral moments that are like the same. The, who does the shoey after he wins? to a Tavasa? Like that makes it to my timeline. That's the type of stuff that makes it. And like, that's a, that's a good thing. Like there's nothing wrong with what he does. And like, that's electric. That's the type of stuff that has outside the sport reach.
1: And here's the thing. Why do people tune in to watch sports?
0: it's entertainment
1: and and a form of entertainment is drama like yeah. drama is not always um oh my god i started dating this person and then this person just came in and started dating they, they started date like they stole my boy like that is not what like and that sells right there's tons of netflix shows now that that is what they're selling That is not necessarily all that drama has to be is like this relationship stuff. Drama can be two people that don't like each other because of X, Y, and Z. And and they could not like each other because they just are both number one in the world and number two in the world. Like that's what we were getting with Ricky and Paul. There really wasn't Mm -hmm. anything that was done between the two. It wasn't like someone said something really nasty about the other's girlfriend or mom or like there wasn't any of that. It was simply this Paul and Ricky were way better than everyone else. And so they just were head to head all the time. And that created a lot of drama and that worked. There are different ways of creating drama that is interesting for people to tune in, but that is why people tune in. People would not tune in to watch NFL on, on Sunday like they did. If every time a play ended, everyone was shaking hands and being super friendly. And, 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 and they knew that they didn't care one way or the other who won because they're f- friends with everyone. Like that is not interesting. That, that is just not something. And that's something that like in, in the fight game, we were just on UFC. That's something in the fight game that they constantly are trying to, uh, deal with sometimes of where like, there are two people that are like super friendly But leading up to the fight, if you don't know that there's like if you don't, if you're not super deep and close with them, you wouldn't know. You would think they'd hate each other. But they're trying to sell the fight. I don't think we have to do that. Like we don't have to go that far in disc golf to try to sell. But there are things that we can be doing differently, of where we can just let our personalities come out that creates natural drama to where it would get people more interested in watching these tournaments than simply you know like to me like the skins matches not my cup of tea simply because it is just a very friendly kind of thing of where yeah. they're trying to make it competitive but at the same time a lot of people on there are just super friendly at least for some of the stuff i've seen not my cup of tea obviously a lot of people enjoy and watch that but we need to be okay with maybe saying some things that not everyone's going to be okay with well, went, okay, sorry. Go. Example, I was gonna say let's
0: transition perfect example. Transition in. Well we'll transition we'll transition into yes. this in a second, but the perfect example is Nico LaCastro better be on a feature card at the Las Vegas Challenge.
1: Oh, hundred percent. He better be filmed.
0: If he's not as a, if he's not on a feature card at Las Vegas Challenge, it's a huge missed opportunity. Huge miss. He better be on the live feature card because like people are gonna pay to watch Disc golf network to see Nico's return to disc golf at the Las Vegas Challenge. Like that's the the storyline going into the year. So like you better put him on there yeah. and you better put them on there with like, if I'm, if I'm the pro tour, I'm picking some people that I know are like potsters <laughs> that are like willing to call, willing to call some rules and be like, let's, let's get this thing going. You know what I mean? Like let's put them all out there to at least be able to pre event, have a marketability. Like this is your feature card. These are the four that you're going to be able to watch play together. And like, you're probably going to have subscriptions skyrocket. Because like that's the story. That's the thing. That is
1: is one of the big stories for sure. Going into the season is how how is Nico going to be with his time off? You know, like is he is he a changed man? Is he going to be doing things differently on the course like he says he's going to, or is he going to be going to kind of fall back into uh, you know what we all thought Nico was to begin with? So yeah, we'll see. That's a great point of like you know with the feature cards and stuff. There are things that the pro tour definitely can do to kind of line up. And again, it's like you said, it's like that. Sure. Are there going to be some people out there that disagree with us on that point and be like, well, we shouldn't be rewarding Nico for his bad behavior. Sure. There are going to be certain people like that. I would say there's so many people that want to see it though. There are so many people that want to see Nico and I'm just going to throw like someone like a, a Jordan Castro, someone that, is going to call every rule by the book. Like they want to see what happens. And at the end of the day, like this is an entertainment business. Like if you are the disc golf pro tour, you are in the entertainment business. So make it entertaining as much entertainment as you can. Uh, And having four guys that are all friends and all saying good shot, giving high fives and all that after every single shot to the general sports fan, is boring.
0: I'm just going to say it. My uh, my feature car would be Paul McBeth, Ricky Wysaki, Drew Gibson, Nico LaCastro.
1: Ooh, that's a good one.
0: That would be my four. That's a good. That's a four. good one.
1: That's so that's, that's a very solid one.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's roll into the PDGA had an announcement yesterday. Uh, the <laughs> board of directors released a statement on the update to policy on eligibility for gender based divisions um, which we knew this we knew this announcement was coming um, we knew that there was gonna be a change in January 1st we had no idea what the change was going to be obviously you know going back across uh, you know we start we had this conversation back middle of the season some I think mm-hmm. um, as Natalie Ryan began to win it got pushed to the forefront a lot more this survey got released out it seems like they somewhat used the survey um, we actually can see some of the results of the survey on here um, but to give a, a brief overview I'm gonna just read on the the actual eligibility update and then I think we can get into some of the like why they made this decision. Um, so for PDJ amateur majors, pro master majors and all other PDJ events sanctioned a tier level and below the requirements regarding a player's level of testosterone have been lowered from under 10 NMOL I'm gonna guess I'm gonna just call that Nmol I don't really know what that is per liter for one year to under two N nmol per liter for two years. Players are only eligible to compete in gender-based FPO division at PDGA Pro Majors, Champions Cup, USW DGC, European Open, and Pro Worlds. If they begin a medical transition during Tanner stage two or before age twelve, whichever is later, the player must also continuously maintain a total testosterone level in the serum below two in mole per liter. Organizations which are specifically designated by the PDGA under the terms of an explicit agreement to run Elite Series tours, the Pro Tour. Um may use any set or subset of the eligibility criteria above their at their events application of the chosen criteria must uh comport terms with agreement PDJ. the pro tour has come out and they are sticking to the major one um, so the pro tour will implement the same eligibility criteria regarding gender-based divisions approved by the pdj for pga pro majors to all disc golf pro tour events including silver events it'll be effective january 1st 2023 so essentially for all FPO, yeah, pro break, tour that down and as I'm, break that down
1: as I'm a fifth grader.
0: Yeah. So all FPO divisions for the pro tour silver series and majors. If you, if they began medical transition during Tanner stage two, which is a stage of puberty or before the age of 12. So realistically age of 12, um, is the late, whichever is later. Be the latest. Yeah. Age of 12, more than likely is the line. So no matter what, before age of 12, If they began, uh, they're only eligible to compete if they began the transition before the age of 12. They must also continually maintain a testosterone level below 2.0. So more or less, for the current players on tour, uh, Natalie Ryan will not be able to play in pro tour events or majors next season is the direct effect. Also, I believe Chloe Alice also will not be able to. Um, and then there the was that direct effect there was, with this. Uh,
1: the, 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 the person that won um, masters, right. There was another,
0: L- I forget her last name, Laura, oh, gosh, uh, I'm blanking on it. Not, a, she got, she's on the board of yes. directors. Uh, not a, not a, I, I not know on how the to pro tour, but to still someone
1: it. that would not be able to compete in the but, tournaments, right. That, or no.
0: Well, pro masters majors has a different requirement. Oh, okay. So they are just strictly the testosterone level. It's been lowered from under ten to under two. Okay, so like the, uh, the I don't I don't know what the, like what range means. that means. I don't let's know. Let's exactly just stick the to talking to the pro tour
1: because I think that's what people want to hear about more than, than yeah.
0: I will quickly. I do want to just question because like they they have a lot of science up here of like different studies they went to and all of this as to why they made this mm-hmm. decision um, and the reports from and like we can read some of the quotes if we want but the reports basically show why they made this decision why they feel like it's an advantage so to me like if the science showed it's an advantage why are we having two different why is there two different eligibilities
1: yeah like why why if it, if there isn't a, if the science like, yeah I agree with what you're saying if, if the science is showing there's an advantage like why, why can the, you why can you benefit if you're in this division or playing these tournaments, but you can't in these tournaments? That that doesn't yeah, make like sense. That didn't make sense to me. That doesn't make me. sense,
0: yeah. Because like like if, if we need to be strict on FPO at Pro Worlds, all that, and a Pro Tour, why is it not strict at Am Majors and Pro Master Majors and FPO events at A-tier level and below? Like that, that one, that one didn't make sense to me. That one felt like a little bit of conflicting information. That might be is is that Um, their
1: way of being like, hey, we'll throw you a bone. Like we're not going to, I don't know. Is that was that their thought process then? Because like, yeah, it makes no sense. Like if there's if there's an advantage, then clearly across the board, you should be like, we're not allowing this because this is there's an unfair advantage here. But I don't know. We'll stick to just Um, talking with the pro tour stuff because I think that is obviously the more top like the, the the bigger story here is you have someone and Natalie Ryan that won I believe twice. I believe she won two events. Yes. Uh could have been four events. I think uh, you know she almost won OTB. She was in contention a um, lot yes. So you have someone that was a top player on the FPO tour last year that will not be playing on the FPO tour this year, not because of her decision, but because of a change in the rules. I mean, that that Correct. right there is the big story from this whole from story. this whole situation. Um, it looks like they are. Uh, I saw that this was essentially the same thing that the Swimming Federation came out with. Yes, it's, it's basically the same very, kind very of similar. Like thought process of like why they're changing the rules and stuff was very similar to what the yeah, what so swimming did the, as well.
0: The, the PDGA's article um, quotes this report here, I'll just read this whole thing because this basically go, this is the science behind what they you know all their year of study, however long it was. This is kind of what they came up with in, in the end. So uh, some, this is where it starts here. Some researchers contended the outdated IOC guidelines based on based chiefly on testosterone levels failed to provide a level playing field for female competitors. For example, Hilton and Lundberg, 2021, noted that with regard to transgender women athletes, we question whether current circulating testosterone level cutoff can be a meaningful, decisive factor when, in fact, not even suppression down to around one nMol per liter removes the anthro... Dude, there's some big words mm. in this thing. Anthropometric and muscle mass slash strength advantage in any significant way. Page 211. General support for a roughly 5% reduction in strength after a year of testosterone suspension has been reported, and then it has a bunch of studies where that's reported. This 5% reduction may continue in subsequent years, although it's unlikely. This initial reduction in strength may be offset by transgender women maintaining irreversible advantages in anthrop- anthropometric measures and in biomechanical benefits afforded by these anthropometrics. Farther study may help to quantify these legacy advantages. The paper goes on to say that the opinion of Schreier 2022 regarding the biological advantages afforded by men is supported by science and is worthy of consideration. Effects of male puberty are profound and they are permanent. Most fast twitch muscle fibers, greater upper body muscle mass, greater lower body muscle mass, greater bone density. They grant men a, a significant and unbridgeable advantage over women in nearly every physical contest. Even if a man later takes estrogen is artific- and artificially reduces the level of bioactive testosterone in his body, He will not surrender these advantages. This stance is supported by anthropometric data and basic principles of biomechanics. It is also in agreement with the Internal Federation of Sports Medicine consensus statement that trans women have the right to compete in sports, however, cisgender women have the right to compete in a project in a protected category. The report concludes: it is impossible to establish policies that are both inclusive and fair. In terms of fairness, no transgender person should ever be excluded. Thus, while it would be unfair to transgender women to compete against cisgender women, there would be no question of unfairness if transgender men or transgender women were to compete in the mixed divisions at any amateur or pro level or in any age-protected divisions that they qualify for. And then it basically shows the subcommittee's uh, voting on the different questions at at hand.
1: So that's kind of what the report
0: said. Um, So more or less, from... My point of view we've said this this has been my stance on it the whole time was i wanted the decision to be based on whatever science said so wherever they felt like advantages the advantage was reduced whatever advantage there was they needed to just use science and go with it because no matter what decision was made here someone was upset if you look at the survey that went out uh, this was fascinating to me uh 80 percent of disc golf pro tour women said responded that they either strongly disagreed or disagreed to transgender women should be allowed to compete with other women in disc golf and in other sports. 80% disagreed with that, which was way higher than I would have expected because like they were silent on it all yeah, year. Yeah, I mean that again
1: um, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about of of especially on a topic like this, if you're trying to sell your disc, do you want to come out and say like I think it's unfair that Transgender women are playing in my division. Like it goes exactly hand in hand with what we talked about. It's it's, it's a yeah. lot different when you are making hundreds of thousands of dollars by just winning tournaments or playing in tournaments that you can then be like you can come out and be a lot more vocal. But if your sole livelihood mm-hmm. is on people buying your disc, something like that is a tough thing to just come out and say what you have to say. Um, yeah,
0: uh, but. So basically what that shows though is like if they made the decision you know just based on gut feeling or or whatever if they just made one decision one side you have 80% mm-hmm. of the field upset with you the other decision the side that we're on now you have a pro tour champion and a few other women in the field and also future players in the field upset and feel like they're being targeted so the only way to do this is you have to just push all opinions aside and just look at the yep. science and from the outside looking in, you heard me pronounce these words. I clearly don't understand what a lot of it said. Um, but it sounded, from what I was reading, it se- sounded pretty straightforward, yes. that like there is a clear advantage, and this is the guidelines that they feel minimize that advantage, because essentially what it sounded like is if you go through puberty as a man, still, uh, then or as a bi- biologically male, if you go through puberty there, there are irreversible advantages. That happened, and so it seemed like that's the line that the PDGA felt like the science pointed to. That's where the line needs to be set, and that's where the PDJ set the line. I would also hope that if science comes out down the line that provides a you know deeper insight into this, and the PDJ realizes that this decision was wrong, that they would, in tune with this, be willing to take or, it or if and, some sort and, of
1: like pill or you know something something else is created that can yeah. take the advantages that you know they are claiming uh if you go through puberty you have if there's something that equals the playing field or whatever then yeah that's something that then it's like okay we need to reopen this case if you will and look at to see if we need to change something up
0: yeah and i would hope the pdj would do that because like to me from the outside looking in this is what i wanted the pdj to do was look at the science provide us with the information of what their research found and then just make a decision based solely on the research. I didn't really like that they did a survey and I to me it doesn't seem like the survey had any weight on it because like I what I didn't want is like the science to show this but then the survey show this and they're like like who's to say that luckily we have the science data they showed us but like if they we didn't and all we had was a survey data you could easily see where people would be like well of course they made this decision 80% of pro tour women, 67% of all members, 68% of professional women, 55% of amateur women all disagreed with it. They had to go with the popular majority. and like, that's not what the decision should have ever mm-hmm. been based on. So I agreed with a lot of people of like, why are you even sending the survey out? You know, that shouldn't have any weight on your decision. Um, and hopefully it didn't have that much weight on their decision. It doesn't seem to have. That might but, have been you know, something to make, it, To, to me, make,
1: you know, this is like a player's kind of, Yeah. you know, a, um, a play a player's comp, i don't know what the right word of, of saying it but like this is yeah it's where like the players should have the people that are members should have say and stuff obviously we both agree that the say in this situation should be more science and not what people feel and but i think they probably were like if we send a survey out and have everyone give their you know their two cents then maybe they'll feel better about our decision because we were like well we did give you a chance to say your piece I do want to yeah. hopefully say some things that everyone can agree on. When sports were created, they decided that they wanted to make divisions so that way there could be a fair uh, form of competition within divisions. And if we're looking just on disc golf side, the division was created for open in the sense of like anyone can play, but obviously the open is majority men. And then you have the, the the female, the women's division, right? You have these two divisions that were created. So that way, um, the FPO can all play together and compete. And then MPO can all play, to combat, can better and compete. Same thing as why MA1, MA2, MA3, those divisions are created. Because if you just have all one big amateur division, there are going to be some people that just do not have the genetics do not have the skill level, do not have the time, do not have all these factors that go into being good at disc golf to be able to compete with everyone in the amateur division. So now they are in the MA3 division, or I, or I guess it's, yeah, it's still MA3, right? Yeah. yeah. They are now in the ma yes.
0: it's not. It's no longer yeah. a wreck. They're they in the MA3 division,
1: I- and they can compete, and they can be, be have that feeling of like, I'm coming down to the wire to try to win this thing. That is why divisions were created. Now, if we... I think we all can agree too that you, me, people listening to this, we were all not created equally. Some of us have more skills. Some of us have the genetics to be better at certain sports than others. There are different things. And also we were raised differently to where some people have advantages here and disadvantages here. So I'm never going to be like, well, it's not fair I can't play in the NBA because I realize I just do not have the genetics to be able to play in the NBA that some other people do. And it was just the, 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 the run of the draw or the luck of the draw, right? I'm now making yeah. the best that I can in the sports that I can compete at with what I was given. Some people are super smart, and I also can't look at those people and be like, Dang, I really wish that I was as eloquent as they were with their words. Like Some people are just better in certain things than others. And obviously, we can get better at certain stuff by being uh, in those things more and by putting more time there. But the notion of like, at the end of the day, this all came down to do people have certain advantages that other people weren't even able to have? And if so... Why are we allowing those people to compete in the same division? That's I mean, that is ultimately what it is. is like it's the same, what, what it sounds like is it's the same thing as like someone that transitioned later in life has an advantage over the FPO division, the same as me having a div- an advantage over the MA2 division. Like, I'm not allowed to compete in MA2 because my skill level, my my whatever my advantages that I was able to have is higher than those people in the MA too. It sounds like it's the same thing as like there are just genetic things that like a seven foot pl- a seven foot tall person might not have nearly as much skill in shooting as dribbling hand eye whatever as I do. But if I'm five foot ten, I'm probably not going to go play Division One basketball. But that seven footer is, and that is just. It is is what it is. And I just think this decision that they made for those FPO players that really felt this way of like, you know, being able to play with someone and being able to see like, wow, they just have something that is a huge advantage that we do not have. Like, this is, like we said, this is something that is making it a more fair playing field. That is what I'm all for. If the science is showing that someone has a bigger advantage because they were born a male instead of a female. We created divisions because we all agree that men have a better advantage than women. I don't think that was ever discussed. Right. Like that was never. Yeah. It doesn't take uh look at literally any sport going down the the row. If it's strength based, if it's speed based. Testosterone in men give men more an advantage over women. The science was always: Is there something that you can do to block, prohibit, reduce? Is there something that you can take that advantage that you were given at birth to make it fair? And clearly, what the science has shown is no. Right, like yeah, that's the is, at the end of the day, like, the, like it, that, it, that's not a debate. Like if you were debating. That men and women are equal on like uh, speed, um, strength. If you're debating that, then then we, we can't have this discussion. But if we can all agree that yeah. men have a leg up just because of just the testosterone and other, th- there's. I mean, you can go and look at all science behind it. If there's not something that we can do to bring them back down to this, then then there's nothing. That, I mean, we, I mean. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. That. that I mean, that's yeah, that's the that's thing, a, right? Like, say,
0: it's a it's a lose lose situation for the PDGA because on the flip side of that coin, you have to feel awful for. I mean, we'll just Natalie Ryan is the yeah, prime I mean, example. Yeah, she
1: she was the one that had a, a budding career.
0: Yeah. yeah, she had a budding career, multiple time pro tour champion. You know, is is lined up to have a great twenty twenty three season, and like, what well, I don't know what she's going to do next year. You know, like, realistically, yes, she's allowed in the open division, but also it's pretty obvious that, you know, she's be at a, a disadvantage in the open division because of the testosterone yeah, blockers that's and the, all that's of that. The, that yes. that's, not a, that's not a sports decision that was made. That wasn't a decision made for sports. And so, like, you know, that's not something that's like, oh, simple answer, I'll just go back. Like, that's not how that works at all. So, like, she's, she's at a clear disadvantage in MPO, and the pdj is now saying she's at a clear advantage in fpo so in a lot of ways yeah this is very if i was natalie ryan i would feel like this is very unfair to me because in a lot of ways it is but that pdj is trying to make the decision that's the most fair for the field the division yes. as a whole and this is the line that they set and yeah it I, it sucks for natalie ryan it absolutely sucks there's no there's no way around that fact and that's why for the pdga it was a lose-lose situation as it seems and like they, they set the line you know before the age of 12 i mean it, from my understanding that is effectively banning transgender women from fpo from, from my understanding like age of 12 very very rarely does a transition happen before that um and so from all intents and purposes this is essentially banning transgender women from fpo um, and I also from what I've seen in different comments on Old Sea World and on Natalie Ryan's Instagram, I believe that she is opening a um, or looking into a possible lawsuit I did see that. against the PDGA. So I don't believe I don't believe this is the last we're going to hear of this. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the lawsuit. Um, I don't know the legality of you know, yeah, is, is there a case how much, here like, the PDGA, yeah, is the private a private organization yeah. or I, I have no idea. You would imagine, you know, this is the same thing Swimming went through to a certain extent. I don't know where the Swimming line was set, uh, but Swimming made a a certain, uh, a similar um, decision earlier. You would imagine they they were met with similar backlash. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see what comes of it all. But yeah, I I hope at least in the disc golf community that the same inclusion and everything that's been preached the whole time isn't just gone with with this decision I, I hope that you know natalie ryan other transgender women are still feel welcomed on the disc golf course um i know that's a lot harder for it to happen now because of this decision but i hope they're still feel welcomed in the sport so I she can that, still you know, play a lot of she players can still
1: play in like what, what events can she still play in
0: and so uh, it depends on the, on the testosterone level because i don't know what under okay, two, so let's, say, let's assume that she's under two. Is. If she's under that, then A tier level and below FPO events. Okay, so she can so still play in A tier and all women, those
1: events. Okay,
0: and that that be it. Throw pink women and then just local A tier, okay. B tier, C tier events. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, like the disc golf sport is still accepting, but obviously, it's just not not going to be the same, uh, and I would also hope that the same thing you know that we've said the whole time like there is there's no real no room at all for hate to be spewed towards natalie yes. ryan or towards anyone else like there's room for healthy discussion and and hopefully saying, on our t- podcasts and channels we've always yes. encouraged that but there's no room for hatred one way or the other the pdga was in a very very tough uh spot here from what i'm reading i think that they They did the right thing. They used science to make their decision. And this is the line that they felt was right to set. Um, But if you disagree with that decision, the same thing I've encouraged everyone to do who disagree with the previous decision, reach out to the PDGA. If you have evidence stating otherwise as to why their decision isn't fair, maybe they just missed it. Share it with them. Uh, I think that is the absolute best thing to do if you disagree with this decision. And if you agree with the decision, feel free to reach out to the PDGA on on the flip side of that coin and, and let them know.
1: Uh, yeah, you bring but,
0: yeah. up a great it was it was a tough
1: point with Natalie Ryan's situation that I don't think maybe a lot many people have thought of and I actually didn't even think about it. I mean I think maybe I've thought about it in the past, but not right now is she is in such a s- tough spot because obviously, yes, she was um uh, putting her her life in her career headed towards this disc golf. I think she did know probably she had to have known going into it that this was a risk that this could ultimately end up happening because uh, the PGJ had had yet to make a stance on the issue and it was getting uh, more brought up more. But your point on the fact that she is doing something that is essentially now making, she's basically doing something right. Like by taking the blockers and I don't know all the science that goes into what, you know, what uh, pills or chemicals or whatever it is that you're, you're taking to, to reduce the testosterone levels. I don't know all that, but you are essentially doing something that is, is making your body function. Not as well. Is that, I don't know if that's the pro, I don't know if that's a good way. in an athletic an, yeah, sense. I, I don't know. I don't want to say something that is misconstrued, but you're essentially, you're trying to lower yourself. And this is obviously what we were talking about before, that there is an advantage being a, a male versus a female in um in athletics. So you're doing something to try to make that advantage go down, but you weren't able to make it go down far enough to make it fair. But now you have just gone, you've just given yourself a disadvantage yourself against a disadvantage other yeah. people that aren't taking that stuff. Um, and, you know, we don't know, you know, I, I mean I can I can be I'll be honest in saying, like watching her skill level, um, she is far from being able to compete on the MPO side of things. Uh, literally every FPO player right now. I don't think I'm crazy going out and saying that. I think I think you you have some players like a Page, uh, Kristen Tatar, uh, Katrina, Evelina. You have some of the top FPO players that on certain courses and on certain weekends could compete at potentially cashing on the MPO side. If they, you know, if they play really, really well. Um, But there is obviously a skill gap and kind of going, I think we almost kind of completely just went over the, uh, the Holly Finley, Missy Gannon call out with Evelina. We didn't really talk too much about what they were, what she was really saying. And the fact of saying like, these Gannon and Holly Finley simply saw the layout from Texas States. Now we're going back to it and was like, these, these holes are too far for me. So this is unfair. And then they ended up changing the holes. Right? So like if, if there are people on FPO that there's FPO layouts that are too far, when you go to MPO, there's certain holes that are just even further. So you, the, the divide there is going to be much. So Going back to Natalie Ryan, she's in a weird spot because she's not going to be able to just be like, oh, okay, well, I'll just play MPO. That's not going to work. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I guess we'll see what ends up happening. It does seem, like you said, she is going to fight this. To what extent? I don't know. Um, but, uh, But, yeah, this is. This is one that I think right now is going to be tough for a lot of people. But I think if I think the decision to make it a fair playing field is the right decision for the long term because I that's just got to be so tough. I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of some of the FPO players and. It's one thing if I am a, you know, because Holly Finley and Evelina, we were just brought up, let's say if I am Holly Finley and I see someone like an Evelina, right? That gap, I guess, between me and Evelina, like I can say like, is there things I can do to make that gap smaller, right? Like, can I get in the gym? Can I work on explosion? Can I work on speed? Is there stuff that I can do to try to make that gap smaller? That is easier for me to grasp than if I'm an FPO player and if I'm Holly Finley and I'm looking at a Drew Gibson. Like that gap now is like, sure, there are some things I can make up, but they are just on a completely different level. And it's like, there are certain things that I will just never be able to get there. And I don't know if I'm, I don't know if this point really makes sense because Like if I compare myself to LeBron James, right? Like genetically, he he just got a way better hand in genetics. But Mm -hmm. if I really trained the way that he trained for the stuff that he did his entire life, that gap would be smaller, right? But still, like I don't know. I guess it is. There is still some of that even in your in your 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 gender right there is there still is some of that of where it's like oh well that's not fair like that's lebron james that's kevin durant that's uh usain bolt like that's not fair like there is some of that already in your gender i just think when you have something coming over that already has these (laughs) advanced see that's where i'm having a hard time because i feel like i'm contradicting myself am i contra i feel like i'm contradicting myself it's right
0: so what's your what's your fault what's your going into right now is the main argument that is being used to counter this which is essentially like yes like okay we we understand the advantages there but just like you just said lebron james has an advantage over you that you will never be able to attain you know and at the end of the day it's just like all you can use at least in my understanding all you can use is the science of like lebron james is not the average right lebron james is a far top top mm, one okay. percent outlier and so I, I think that from what I understand is like what this science is trying to look at is like the average to the average because you also, you have Britney Grinders of the world, right? Hot topic right now of her being coming back to the US, but in WNBA, you have players like that that are the LeBron James yes. of the WNBA, right? To To a certain extent where like most women will never be able to dunk, and you have Brittany Griner being able to dunk and stuff like that. To where like that is just an advantage. So you can't look at like the outlier to the outlier because if you take Brittany Griner and you put her up against me, just like an average or below below average dude, yeah, yeah I'm gonna get my butt kicked. You're, not, you're I'm not not being
1: Britney be Griner. Yeah. I'm getting
0: dunked on all the time. I'm, not, I'm probably not getting a point up. You know what I'm saying? But you can't take the outlier to the outlier. You got okay. to the average to the average. And I think that's what the, the, the science is trying up on. to do yeah. here. Because I
1: was like, wait a second. What I'm what like, you fell I'm, into, what I'm saying is exactly, I'm like, I'm conscious.
0: Yeah. But that's, that is, that's the big argument. And that is something that I'm hoping the PDGA heard and at least looked into as well is like, that is the the big argument that's being used. Is like, like what you just said is, you know, would it be unfair on the FPO side? We'll use Brittany Griner again. I just used her would it be unfair if Brittany Griner picked up disc golf and came into the sport? And like, yeah, there are some things where like, we'll use Holly Finley. Cause you use her. She might look at Brittany Grinder and be like, I just cannot do that. Like there, like if I watched LeBron James pick up any sport, I would watch him and be like, I, no matter what I do, I'm never going to be able to physically yeah. do what LeBron James just did. Um, and that is the big argument that's being mm, used to
1: counter. Okay. This. Well, that, that makes more sense. Cause I, I was just throwing myself in a my, I was throwing myself in a pretzel where I was like,
0: now, um, No, and it, it's a. It, that's why I'm very, I'm very glad that I'm not the PDGA. I'm very glad that this was not a decision that had to come on my desk, because like, that like in a lot of ways, like I think that what they did was the right decision, but there was no right answer. The every you someone mm-hmm. loses in every scenario, and that's like the worst scenario to be in is it, ever in any scenario in life is where like I'm a people pleaser in a lot of a lot of ways. A lot of times it's a flaw um, but like there's a lot of scenarios where you get into where you're you're not gonna please everyone and like being a de- like having to have that come across your desk and you're like man like this no matter what decision I make it's affecting the livelihood of someone because it's not even just like affecting like people's happiness or joy like it's affecting people's revenue bottom line livelihood uh, both ways um, and so like in in this decision like Natalie Ryan she might have to find a new career next season. Realistically, like that's a, that's a very real possibility of like, if you know, the lawsuit or whatever ends up coming out of this doesn't go through, doesn't play mm-hmm. out in Natalie Ryan's favor. Come the Las Vegas challenge. It's hard to know what, like it's what, what is she going to do? Because like, like you were saying, like it's going to be very, very tough to make it on well, the it been tour. Her
1: ratings. I'm in high enough to get into events.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, it's a very big question. And, and I also will say, I've seen Natalie Ryan post several times and I fully understand where this feels like a personal attack because she's right. In a lot of ways, this wasn't nearly as big of she a deal. Made it, she as made it by winning before yeah. she, and that's what we always said. Yeah. Once that's what she we always said success, is like, this
1: is going to come to the forefront yeah.
0: when you have, it's not going to be a big deal yes, until it's like a big no
1: deal. one, no one cares if yeah. someone is playing, and, and not doing anything. No one cares. But as soon as someone starts yeah. winning, now our son's like, wait a second, we got to figure out what the heck is going on here. So, um...
0: Yeah, and, and Natalie Ryan's being open about that, of like where this, in a lot of ways, I think feels like a personal attack against her. Because yeah, Because in some ways, I mean, she's right where like, she made it, she made it... It's not a personal attack. She brought but, like, it to, the had to be she, brought the,
1: she brought it to the spotlight.
0: Exactly. She's the player that brought it to where Mm -hmm. it had to be addressed one way or the other. A decision had to be made and being the player in that shoes.
1: No, I mean, that's gotta suck.
0: And so like, especially with all of the, the, you know, unjustified hate comments that were coming in, like some were just awful comments all year. She had to deal with that all year just to get to the off season. And then she probably feels like the PDJ sided with all the people who hated her. And like, you know, I don't think that's actually what they were doing, but I can definitely see where that's what it feels like. And I mean, I can't imagine being in those shoes. Yeah. That that sucks.
1: Well, we'll see what happens moving forward with the lawsuit. That will be an interesting story to continue to cover. Last thing I'll say is like, I don't want anyone to ever attack someone for following the rules. Absolutely. Right? And, and that's, I think that was my biggest. not
0: void now. It's not like all of a sudden she's I... not a pro tour champion. She is a pro tour champion. There's no way around that.
1: I think that was the thing that upset me the, mo- the most is like someone was doing something by the guidelines that were set and people were attacking that person as being a bad person for doing that. I'm not cool with that. If you're following the rules and you're doing everything by the guide, the, the guidebook by the rule book uh, you should not be attacked for that. If you want to attack like in critique, you know, her doing a lawsuit and all that stuff like that stuff, I think is all fair game. If you're like, well, this is ridiculous, whatever. That's all fair game, but you can't, you can't fault someone for following the rules. You can't. So yeah. that will be the last thing I'll say about all that.
0: Right. All right. Good There's show. The show.